Hi, all. Double G here from Fight Game Media. Our Patreon, aka Fight Game Media Network Plus, recently turned one. We've been through a lot of trial and error, as well as progress with the network, and we want to thank our subscribers, both old and new, with a token of our appreciation. Literally, a digital token. We've created our very first POAP. If you don't know what that is, think of it as an NFT that celebrates an event. If you don't know what an NFT is, well, Google will help you with that. If you join Fight Game Media Network Plus today at patreon.com front slash fight game media, you can claim your year one Fight Game Media Network Plus POAP. We're only doing 100 of them, so join now to claim your prize. It's just $5 per month, and we have a ton of current and historical audio content waiting for you. Everyone and welcome to a brand new episode of The Wrap right here on the Fight Game Media Network. I'm Keela Cash and happy Monday to you all. A brand new week here in WWE and I got two guys by my side this week to get you through all things Smackdown, Raw and NXT in between. First off, I got my right hand man. I got my co-captain and apparently Von Wagner's biggest fan, Scott Young, rejoins me this week per the usual. Hello, Scott. Well, it's always a pleasure to be back on the show with you, Keela. Um, yeah, you know, Vaughn is, uh, I got, I got thoughts on Vaughn. So we'll, uh, well, we're definitely, I, I can't wait to talk about Mr. Wagner. I, I can't wait. Just, I, he's, he's, he's my guy right now. That's my guy. That's my, that is my 2.0. The fact that he has now become a recurring character on this show is truly something. And, Von Wagner, I tell you, he's a star. And Scott, that's his favorite dude on NXT 2.0. Am I being sarcastic? We'll find out the deeper we get into this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. So stay tuned for that, whether or not I'm dead serious or not. And next up is really an OG veteran of the rap since day one. I call him Polly Numbers Fontaine, but now I have to give him a nickname. It's now from this day forward, and he knows it's coming. The OG, the sexy OG at that, Paul Fontaine. Welcome back, Kiva. Paul. Uh, yeah, welcome back. So I I had the, uh, the bright idea to invite Scott to be a guest show on a show that I did with Dan LeCue, and he was so good that he took my job. So... <laughs> Thanks, Scott. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I wish I was Von Wagner because I keep putting my glasses up on my forehead to read my phone and then they slide down. And if I was Von Wagner, they wouldn't. They would just stay up there. Oh, my so, God. Um, like, I wish I was him. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Hey, I'm going to tell you what. Von Wagner is going to come up a lot today. Yeah, <laughs> he'll be talking about Vaughn a lot today. You gonna hear his name a lot today. I have, I have actually a profound thought on on Mr. Wagner, and we'll get to that. <laughs> it's I... Actually, profound. It's not a joke. All right, all right. Profound. Right. See, I'm gonna have to retitle this episode now: the Vaughn Wagner special, right here. Which just on the wrap. Title the whole pod podcast: <laughs> Von Von Wagner or the Wagner. Oh, oh my goodness. The Von Wagner Hour right here on The Wrap. All Wagner all the time. 
But before we get into Von Wagner and his incredible week on NXT 2.0, I do think it's only fair that we get a little bit serious regarding a news story that broke on Thursday, which happens to be our lead topic this week. And crazily enough, it was Scott, myself and Jeremy off the air moments after talking about NXT war games. And we talked about Jeff Hardy, the pops he's been getting lately on TV and the change of direction heading into day one regarding Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar for the Universal Championship. Come to find out courtesy of Dave Meltzer. This is the first step of many heading into their main event at WrestleMania. But it doesn't mean that Jeff Hardy could have had a spot at an elimination chamber, maybe a TV special ahead of WrestleMania. But there was news coming out late Sunday night that he was sent home from the road on Saturday due to not being quite well in the ring. He was sent home by WWE. I pick up my phone Thursday morning and I find out that he's been released by WWE due to him not wanting to attend rehab. This was a very surprising news story. He's gotten a lot of love from his co-workers and fans online and on social media. And it was a very surprising turn of events because he's over, he's popular, but it's not about that right now. It's about what's best for Jeff Hardy, the person, and what's best for himself and his family right now. And it seems as if every time he's on the cusp of something big, something like this tends to happen, which is disappointing. But as he steps away from this ring life, I wish him the very best. And I want to give Paul and Scott the platform to speak their mind about this situation in its entirety. And... Where does he go from here in terms of his life and his career eventually? So, Scott, you take this first. So, you know, first and foremost, you know, obviously, like like Keila said, we I wish him nothing but the best. Um, obviously, you know, the, his health comes first, his family comes first. So, whatever he needs to do to get back right, you know, he he needs to go ahead and do so. Whatever that may be, um, you know. Hopefully he's getting the help that he needs and that he see if, you know, whatever, whatever needs to be done. I'm hoping that gets done um, on just all on a personal note, on a, you know, strictly professional note, wishing him the best and everything health wise aside. I genuinely think there were plans for Jeff Hardy, or at least they had plans for him. And now they kind of have to, you know, figure out what they're going to do. But it, where does he go from here? It's I, do I really want to see him go anywhere from here? You know, it, it's kind of like, I feel like WWE was a good spot for him. You know, he, and maybe the house shows is, you know, cause this is kind of when it came up is when we got back on the road and, you know, this is coming up now. So I wonder if it's him just being away so much and constantly being on the road. Um, but I, I, you know, I don't know if I want to see Jeff Hardy anywhere else. You know, I, maybe this is, Maybe a one-off type thing, but I, I don't know if I need to see Jeff Hardy on my TV every week. I'd rather, I, if, if that's if that has any type of correlation to what is going on, I I don't need to see him on the TV anymore. You know, and I, I'm okay with that. His career is strong enough where if he never wrestles again, he a incredible career, incredible moments, an incredible legacy that will never be duplicated. And you could even say he's had two Hall of Fame careers. He's had a Hall of Fame career as Jeff Hardy throughout all his different ventures and different companies. He's had a Hall of Fame career as the Hardy Boys, you know, with, with in a tag team. So, I mean, just if he never wrestles again, I, I'm okay with everything he's done with this career and think he's had a fantastic career and would say thank you to everything. But just whatever he needs to do to get back right. And if that means staying off the road and not wrestling, I'm okay with that. Your thoughts, Paul? 
Well, full disclosure, I've had my own struggles with addictions and um, I, I I can tell you from experience and I've also lived with people, you know, family that went through stuff. Um, I've had even children that, you know, have gone through things and they're um, it's tough because it, if you if the person doesn't think that they have a problem then there's one of two things. Either they do have a problem and they're in denial or they really don't have a problem. But either way, if they don't want help, there's no point in taking the help. And so for Jeff Hardy, he made the right decision because he doesn't think he has a problem or he's in denial. Either way, if he had gone to the rehab, it wouldn't have worked. And the problem is, is he's got people around him that are either believing him or being snowed by him, one of the two. And I'm not going to pretend to say which one it is because I don't know. Um, I certainly saw the video and I know how he looked, but, you know, I don't know all the facts. So what I will say is that he did the right thing, but WWE also did the right thing. They offered him help. He didn't take it. They have no choice but to let him go because if something happens on their watch, um, it's, it's real bad. They're a publicly traded company. They've, you know, they're, they're, um, they, and you know, even just the personal guilt. So, um, as far as what he does next, I, you know, I, I know everyone thinks, oh yeah, you know, AW and reuniting with his brother. Um, I think Tony Khan needs to really think long and hard about, uh, adding Jeff Hardy right now, not to say that he could never add him, but you know, if you add him right now and something happens, you know, that's on you. So, um, but I do think that someone out there is going to hire him. And if he wants to work in this business, he's going to work in this business because there's a lot of promoters out there and Jeff Hardy's a real popular dude. I just hope that either he, you know, works out whatever it is that caused him to have these issues, um, whether or not he needs rehab, you know, that's up to him to decide. Maybe he decides he needs rehab or maybe whatever is going on just fixes itself but you know i hope for nothing but the best because he's got a family and uh, friends and he's got a lot to live for and he's got you know he could have 40 years ahead of him and and you you want him to have that 40 years and not have a tragic end Absolutely. And I respect Jeff Hardy immensely. We know the ups and downs throughout his career and he will always find a way to bounce back. And I do appreciate WWE for, you know, having the opportunity to help him via rehab. But at the same time, I'm kind of mixed on it because WWE likes to weaponize sobriety on TV. They did so last year via Hardy Sterling with Sheamus, and it wasn't funny then. It's still not funny now. And I just wish that you have a zero tolerance policy of bringing up addiction in storylines in order to get the cheapest possible heat. Thank you for the assistance, but please be kind and actually taking care of my storyline with respect, with respect to my past, with respect to what people are still going through. Recovery is an ongoing journey. There's no cure for addiction. And to throw that in his face constantly, I do think that is a bridge too far. That has been a bridge too far for a very long time for WWE. Yeah. All right. So very heavy topic to kick off the show. We do wish Jeff Hardy the very best in his recovery and whatever he's going through in his life right now. Put his family first. And eventually when he wants to get back in the ring, there will always be opportunities available to him. But it's always tough to make this transition to Monday Night Raw, but it must be made anyway. As we focus on day one going down in a few weeks time from Atlanta, Georgia on New Year's night. And it's going to be a very lit show, as the kids would like to say. We got Migos in the building for day one. And that's a pretty big get for WWE. Trey Young is also on tap. But 
we have the WWE Championship match that was supposed to be originally Big E versus Seth Rollins because Seth Rollins earned the right via winning a ladder match a couple of months ago on Monday Night Raw almost. And then we have Kevin Owens weasel his way into this match due to Seth Rollins being a master manipulator, saying that, hey, KO was in on the fix with me. He screwed you over, Big E, and KO found a way into the match. So this past Monday on Raw from, from Memphis, Tennessee, from the FedEx Forum, of course, we had a steel cage match featuring Big E versus Kevin. Kevin Owens, a match we've seen the last few weeks on Raw, but it's okay. It's a cage match. It was fairly good. And then we get the after effects and it was Bobby Lashley whooping ass to every run that was in this match or outside of the ring, such as Seth Rollins. And MVP cut a promo backstage later in the show, noting that Bobby Lashley was offended that he was not added to this match at day one. And I thought to myself, Robert or Roberto Lashley, you had several shots at the WWE Championship a couple of months ago, and each time you lost to Big E. So once you lost the final time inside of a steel cage, that should be the end of your title shots for now. And I love Bobby Lashley. He is fantastic, had a great run as WWE Champion, but I feel like he's being shoehorned into this match when he's not necessarily needed for day one. So, Paul, what are your thoughts on Bobby Lashley possibly being added to this match at day one for the WWE Championship? And, my God, ladder matches really don't mean shit these days if you win fair and square. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, you know, but I, I just think maybe that they're trying to figure out a way to not beat the person that they are trying to resign. So they'll throw a guy in there with some credibility. Um, they've been put, airing all these video packages and now we kind of know why. Um, you know, maybe there's something coming up for him. Like, who knows? Maybe they're going to give him another mania run. Like, I don't know. But um, it certainly seemed, you know, to come out of nowhere. And the funny thing is, is it feels like it's a long way away. But um, there's, you know, there's not as many shows before November or January 1st as, as we think there are. And there's some holiday weeks in there where some people probably won't watch. So I think like the next two weeks are like super key. Um, you know, obviously, I like Bobby Lashley in there. But I don't know, like a four way for the title. I mean, W. He does it all the time, but I don't, I prefer to see one-on-one -on -one matches when they're for the title personally. Um, I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, maybe hearing a little uh, bad and bougie at, uh, <laughs> at the uh, pay-per-view. That could be cool. What's your thoughts, Scott, on your boy now, Bobby Lashley, being added to this match at day one and having Paul Fontaine, or I, I take it back, sexy OG Paul Fontaine. <laughs> shout out, bad and bougie. I did not expect not that bad on this and bougie. show. Okay. <laughs> She's talking with an Uzi. I'm actually thinking that maybe we, that, you know, we need to make that happen, regardless <laughs> of what happens with the title match. I just need to, I, I need the bad and bougie at, at day one. I mean, what, what better way to start it off than bad and bougie? Oh, you yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> Get Bianca out there. That should be your oh, theme no. song. That's easy. That's easy, right? That's easy money right there. You're printing money. Um, as far as Bobby Lashley goes, I so I appreciate them doing something with him after he loses the title, you know, after he took, cause he, he took some L's, you know, he took a few L's. And so I appreciate them at least giving him something to do. I hope they don't add him and they just let him stay outside the match. Just being angry. He's not in the match. 
I, I actually really like that because mm. everybody doesn't need to be in the title match to want to be in the title picture or to just be in the title picture. They don't have to be in the title match. Him laying everybody out, though, that's that's how you keep him relevant, keep him in people's minds and let everybody know, hey, Bobby Lashley is still a bad man. And he can lay out guys. And, you know, you still have Big E protected because it was after the match and he got snuck up on. But, you know, you're still keeping Bobby in that title picture. And just in case Rollins or Kevin Owens wins, Bobby can be like, well, they didn't beat me. So I'm, I'm right here. So I, I actually do appreciate what they're doing with Bobby as long as they don't add him. But, I mean, they, it is already a triple threat. So... What is making it a four-way at this point when it's already a triple threat? Because, like you said, Keela, I mean, at the, if we're winning ladder matches and then all we got, and then the guy gets DQ'd and he gets added to a, a title match, which we find out happens a lot because it happens on SmackDown too, then you know, I mean, what, what are we what are we doing anyway? So why not make it a four-way? I, I say go ahead and add um, Finn Balor in there too. He won a match on Monday, so let's just make it a five-way and then. Uh, if we get one more victory on the way there, maybe Rey Mysterio can uh, can win a match. We can go ahead and add him. We can have a a six way. They've had a. I think the last time they did a six way was at Night of Champions, so they can they could do something like that. That was a long time ago. I think Bobby Lashley was in that match too. So yeah, add them all. I mean, let's let's just do a gauntlet match. Damian Priest. I mean, Damian Priest. Why not? Let him let him let him do option C. Cash in his United States title. We'll pull in. Shout out the brace for impact. Mike and JD. We'll pull an impact move. Cash in option C. Cash in the United States title. And he'll, you know, we'll just do a gauntlet version. We'll do it like that. So why not? I mean, what's the point of the ladder match if you're not going to add people? So just add Bobby Lashley. Why not? And I mean, we know Kevin Owens is taking the loss. Wow, the way we just took a dump on this entire ladder match concept. It's true, though, because this dude won fair and square, despite how obnoxious Seth Rollins is. He won fair and square. He climbed up the ladder to grab a clipboard, sign his name on the piece of paper, and now all of these fucking people are in his match. It's, it's, like, it's unacceptable. Like, he really did the hard work, and now, like, well, fuck that. I guess I have to fight five other people in order to get a fair shot at the WWE. WWE Championship. Now, most likely, Kevin Owens is eating this loss because we don't know his contract situation. But still, you don't need to add Bobby Lashley to this match. And I love Bobby, but you had your shot a couple of months ago and lost inside of a steel cage pretty damn decisively. So I don't want to see him in this match yet. Maybe you do something post-WrestleMania or have him dominate the Warrior Rumble, but don't add him to a match that actually has a good storyline with three people that have motivation to be the champion, which some squirreliness and Seth Rollins to mix. So please don't water down a good match in Atlanta, I beg of thee. Now, next up is the issue of instant gratification in WWE. Sometimes we want things immediately. We want to experience the moment in real time. And sometimes we have delayed instant gratification, meaning that you don't get what you want immediately, but you will get it eventually. And sometimes that's a good thing. Prime example number one is Dewdrop versus Bianca Belair this past Monday on Raw. They had a very good match. And the selling point of this match is Bianca Belair picking up Dewdrop and hitting the KOD. She was ever so close and Dewdrop simply ran away and told Bianca to kiss her ass. And she walks away, which sets up a rematch perfectly 
at day one in Atlanta. So she gets the pop from the crowd and she picks up Dewdrop to hit the KOD somehow, some way. And I think that's a good idea. Now, I'm not a fan of burning through the match on TV for a bullshit finish, but at least you're building up to the eventual payoff, hoping, of course, from WWE side. Then we get the main event of Monday Night Raw featuring Liv Morgan versus Becky Lynch for the Raw Women's Championship. Now, I am a big fan of Liv Morgan, but she has been treated pretty shitty by WWE in terms of booking for the last year or so. She has wins here or there, and then she loses three or four matches in a row, and then she's all of a sudden a number one contender for this championship. And now you want to give us a backstory. Now you want to give us the video package highlighting her childhood and how she wants to be the champion of the women's division. And you have Becky Lynch, who I think is still miscast as a heel. The fans don't know what to do during her matches. She gets that hometown heat, but they still find ways to cheer her, even though she cheats every time she wins a match. And Liv does not win the match, despite the video package, despite the history of Trish versus Lita 17 years ago to the day this past week. No, the blonde loses again. The redhead reigns supreme. And it makes sense to delay this championship run for Liv if it happens. But is it a smart play by WWE in terms of building Liv up? But can you keep it going long term? Because I think fans want to go on the journey of Liv Morgan winning matches, having a storyline that makes sense. And then eventually she gets the championship. Doesn't mean she goes through the Royal Rumble. Doesn't mean she gets to WrestleMania's night one or two. We don't know. But at least there's an effort to at least get someone over. But will it work? long term do you buy not being gratified immediately scott do you buy these two scenarios of can you wait long enough to say it was worth it or should something happen a little bit sooner over the other man i i I might be of unpopular opinion here but i don't even think Liv morgan should win the title i i'm i'm not really in the Liv morgan camp like that i think she's a good baby face um i think she has improved a lot and I will admit they did make it a big fight feel and they did kind of get me thinking, you know what? She just might do it tonight because there's just there's certain, you know, at, there's just certain feels you get watching a show where you're like, this could be a big night. This, you know, they started off with a big cage match. The show really wasn't that bad. And you're like, you know, this this could be a this could be a big night for her. I'm not, I don't think she should win the title. I, I I just don't think she's ready. I don't think the time is right. I don't think, and when I say I don't think she's ready, I just, she doesn't come off as a champion. I mean, like when I see her and Becky Lynch in the ring together, there's there's levels to this. And I, th- them just being in the ring together screams levels. And that's not a knock on Liv. That's just showing where Becky Lynch is. And, you know, I, I don't think everybody has to win the title. Like, I wasn't too big of a fan of Nikki Ash winning the title. Like, everybody doesn't need to win the championship. And I think that's a problem in the women's division. I think every single woman, every single female on that roster who's been there over a year, maybe over two years on the main roster, has won the title except Zelina Vega. And I could be wrong about that, but I think every single female wrestler has won one of the two world titles. I mean, even Mandy Rose has now won the title. So I don't think everybody on your division has to have a title reign. And I just, I don't think Liv Morgan needs to win that title. I do like what they did with Bianca 
Because I do think that's smart to keep her strong. I just hope they don't do what they did with Ryback and Mark Henry, where they had Ryback lose the match and then hit the big move after the match and get his, you know, get his quote unquote heat back after. So I hope they don't have Bianca lose the dewdrop and then do the big move after. Hopefully, it, you know, she gets the big KOD spot. We get to see her show off that incredible strength and then she gets the win. But I, I'm not in the Liv Morgan camp. I, I'm not pulling for her to win the title. All right, Gramps, what's your thoughts on this delayed gratification situation regarding the women's division of Monday Night Raw? Uh, well, I'll what I'll say is it kind of reminds me of um, I don't know if you, this might be before both of your times, but it was the early 2000, like maybe 2000, maybe 1999, when they had three guys coming up the cards and it was Jericho and it was Benoit and it was Kurt Angle and they were all there was one pay-per-view where they all went up against established stars and it was Triple H, The Rock and um, Undertaker and they all basically got kind of close but not close enough and didn't win and that's kind of where it feels like we're at with with um these people with Bianca or with, you know, with Bianca Dewdrop, with Liv Morgan and Becky, and also on SmackDown with Charlotte and Tony Storm. So I think that it's kind of like they're putting him in this position to kind of just kind of tease it and see, okay, how would people react if, if this person was to win? So you kind of, you know, make it think. And I think out of all of the ones I just mentioned, the one who came out the best was Liv because Becky had to cheat to beat her. It was basically the same the way she beat Charlotte. It was a long competitive match. They really presented her strongly, like with the, with the video package and everything. Like you're really rooting for her. I get what Scott's saying and like not everybody should win. And it's funny, like, I, it used to be the case where literally everybody won and multiple times. I I like I'd have to go and Google it and look, but it, it feels like it hasn't been that way like recently. Like and maybe I'm wrong, but like it seems like we've had really strong champions, you know, like Becky, Charlotte, Sasha, Bianca, you know, like basically for the better part of the last couple of years, Asuka and Bailey, you know, are like like I can't even think of who anyone else who's had the title but between Carmella. the uh, Carmella Carmella. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Carmella had it, but Carmella was almost like a joke. Like she wasn't, you know, it was kind of like she fluked her way into the title and she basically lost it, you know, like the first real threat she had. So, but yeah, you're right. Like Carmella had it. Um, and, and you know, again, like I, you know, I, I could be wrong, but, um, it just feels like they're really trying to make an effort to try to make that, those titles meaningful. And obviously to the women involved, it really means a lot. And you could tell with Liv, like, I didn't know that backstory of Liv and how she's like a lifelong fan and she you know it's always been her dream and all that stuff like you just kind of almost assume that these they find kind of find these people you know in other fields and then they bring them in and they teach them to be wrestlers you know so i never really know which ones are which and which are real fans and she has almost like got the backstory of like an aj lee you know um which to me that like i it makes it really easy to root for her um so i'm you know and i think becky really likes her too and probably wants to drop the title to her you know in real life so um you know we'll, we'll see what happens and i think like you know and with dewdrop i think she's getting the spot that nyla rose had or 
Nia Jax had, sorry. I, I always mix up their names. Um, and, um, you know, so, but I think she's so much better. She has so much more to offer than Nia Jax. So, um, you know, like she may do better and, and, you know, so maybe like all this, you know, I just said about Liv, it could end up being Dewdrop that ends up, you know, being the one that gets elevated out of those three. I would hope so as well. And I think we'll live. The core issue that I have with WWE is they had opportunities this year when they still had Ruby Riot. You had the tag team and they were gaining momentum. And I actually like the oddball aspects of Billy Kay trying to be an honorary member of the Wyatt squad. And somehow they did not get the comedy like Oh, you idiots. But they ruined opportunities for Liv to go on this story of being possibly tag team champ, possibly winning money in the bank. We knew on SmackDown over the summer, Sonya Deville was trying to stick it to her in some way. Sonya could have gotten in the match at some point and won the briefcase. And that would have given Liv some semblance of a chase. It's all about the story and the journey of getting to the championship. And WWE has a start stop push with people all the time. You get behind them for three or four weeks and then you have them lose and lose and lose. And it's hard for fans to buy into a Liv Morgan story. I want to buy in eventually. I don't think she should be the champion anytime soon, but I do want her to have a love of credibility that the fans can believe as a baby face that can get over, that has a chance to win something big someday. Not immediately. Maybe the first step is a Warrior Rumble or Money in the Bank next year to get her some level of credibility to be a long-term baby face for this division that needs somebody like Liv and a Rhea Ripley and a Bianca Belair to be centerpieces for Becky Lynch eventually. And you know, I, I don't think it helps that she is going against Becky Lynch in this form when, like you said, Keela, because I think you're absolutely right, people aren't exactly, like, people still want to cheer her. Like, people still want to cheer Becky Lynch, and I don't think, like, I think if she, if Liv Morgan was going against Charlotte Flair, I think it, I think her reactions would be even stronger. Like, I, I think she would probably be getting some monster reactions, because people would like people genuinely don't like Charlotte Flair and they don't want her to win and they don't want her as champion. And I think people would like, there's, there would be a different level of, okay, live, let's, let's go live. Let's get behind live. I hope WWE pushes live. There will be a different level of that with live Morgan against a Charlotte Flair. I don't think it helps that she's going against Becky Lynch when people still just want to cheer Becky Lynch. Like people were quick to get behind her when she was feuding, that quick feud with Charlotte Flair at Survivor Series. People were quick to get behind her. They want to cheer her. I just, I don't think that's the best thing for Liv. They did that like a couple of years ago, right? Like I remember, wasn't it that Charlotte kind of punked her out and then she left and said she was going to go find herself and then came yes. back with yes. basically the same gimmick? Mm -hmm. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that, that's a, that's a story. That's the story yeah. right there. I mean, that, yeah. Yeah. that's a great story right there. Great call right there because what, I mean, how easy of a call, but like, I'm here, I'm back, like, I'm ready to take, I'm ready to do what I said I was going to do. Because I, if I remember, that match was like one of her best match to date, yep. Liv yes. Morgan. So I just, I don't, I don't think Becky Lynch was the right person to do this. I mean, and, and to Liv's credit, she still is getting strong reactions. So, you know, I don't know. Maybe if the, if it was just against Charlotte Flair, I would feel differently about it.
Same here. I think it really boils down to Becky Lynch being a heel that is going to cause a lot of issues for baby faces to step up yeah. and face her. And I call it the Britt Baker dilemma on AEW because she's a champion. She's over. And maybe one person at Thunder Rosa could be the one to say, oh, no, no, no. I got this. And the fans will be behind her. But Rebecca, it's like she is this big, massive star. But unfortunately, it's not going to benefit a baby face to beat her anytime soon because the fans still, still love her. And we don't know who ultimately made the decision. Of course, Vince is the final shot caller and all things creative as to why they turned Becky Lynch Hill at the prime of her career, being the champ. It makes no sense. You're not helping the baby faces who's trying to get something out of facing Becky Lynch. And that is the core issue that WWE needs to figure out. Do you flip Becky back? Do you flip Becky back as a baby face? I think you should at this point. The fans don't know what to do during her matches. They want to yeah. cheer for Bianca Belair. They want to like Liv Morgan. But Becky Lynch is honestly the bigger star of that division. And it's making all of these matches ice cold. And therefore, the fans can emotionally invest because you like Becky. You like someone else. But you can't find a happy median in order for all of this to make sense. I think there's one woman that Becky could get the people to cheer against her. And believe it or not, I think it's Alexa Bliss. I think if Alexa Bliss came back now and was feuding with Becky, like, and not like this, you know, the gooey Alexa Bliss, like the actual Alexa Bliss, I think she'd be over because she's been gone for a while and people really like her. And I think that that's a dynamic that they could go with, but I don't know when she's coming back. So she's a good enough talker to do it too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There, there was a few they had back on SmackDown back in 2016, and that was the first time I really saw Alexa Bliss come through as a strong talker on the mic. And I firmly believe if she does not have that fucking doll upon return, <laughs> and she's not, as Scott suggested, the doll upon her return, yeah. then maybe this can work. Because she can really cut great promos on Becky Lynch. She made a Charlotte Flair promo tolerable yep. on raw a few months ago so she definitely has the juice on the mic to make her a believable threat to becky lynch and might be the only person that can get equitable heat alongside becky but we got to get somebody in that position to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with becky in terms of heat and a fair shot to win that championship down the road now next Amen. up is a topic that i have to go in on somebody on and my apologies in advance to the miz who I'm going to call a less relevant MJF. Yeah, went there. <laughs> went there on this day. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry, but it's true because they're trying to recreate magic from Dynamite a few weeks ago at Punk and MJF in Chicago. It was a great promo exchange. I loved it. And we have the equivalent on WWE TV of Edge going toe-to-toe -to -toe with Miz. And thus far, it's been a very one-sided battle in favor of of Edge. Edge has been eviscerating this man on the mic back to back weeks. And I like The Miz. I like The Miz of five years ago that talked his shit, backed it up, was a champion, was winning matches, had credibility, had Maurice, had it all. And for the last two years, let's see what's happened to The Miz. Let's see. He can't win a match against Shane McMahon at WrestleMania or on TV. Let's see. The Fiend breaks into his house and haunts himself and Maurice and the children. That doesn't help. He gets bitched out at a pay-per-view a couple of times. He becomes tag team champions for a bit, but then loses a short time later. And then he's in a never-ending feud with Damian Priest and Bad Bunny heading into this year's WrestleMania. 
we have he and John Morrison get into a feud that never goes anywhere because John Morrison gets fired by WWE, unfortunately. He comes in ninth on Dancing with the Stars. So all of this for The Miz, as of late, does not scream a must-see star. I want to see on my TV a guy that doesn't have a whole lot of credibility on the mic. And he brings up shit from 15 years ago. I don't want to hear stuff about you eating that chicken on the goddamn floor 15 years ago. We heard the story a long time ago. And it's a great promo in order to get sympathy but I need more for Michael Mazzana to make this feud with Edge make sense at the end of the day because I'm not buying it I'm very cold on this feud Edge is outstanding but he could be doing so much better against somebody else that is more comparable in terms of material and credibility which Miz does not have but your thoughts on this Paul Okay. Uh, you forgot that Miz won the world title in all that, but um, eight days, I, eight yeah, hey, long you know suffering it's, days. It's eight more days than I had the title, <laughs> and he's the Miz, and he's awesome. Um, so no, I you know, okay, put aside the you know the MGF CM Punk thing, which is the obvious comparison, and I don't blame you for making it, and you know they you know referenced it, so I can't blame you. But I mean, you're talking about two of the very best promos, not just right now, but of like all time. You know, we have those guys like CM Punk for sure and MJF as well on his way to being there. So if you if you take away that and just compare it to like just about anything else, like I think they've actually been really good promos, mostly on the side of Edge. But I think what we're getting with Miz is, you know, an attempt by Edge, the character. And I'm talking about the characters right now. I'm not talking about the men and, you know, I'm not talking about Adam Copeland or Mike Mazzana. I'm talking about Edge and Miz. I think the deal is that Edge is trying to get that fighter out of Miz, you know, the fighter who worked his way to the main event of WrestleMania, the fighter who um, proved himself, you know, uh, coming from a reality show and becoming a WWE superstar and the guy who's been a main eventer for the better part of the last 10 years, you know, with, you know, with some exceptions. So I think that, that, that he is trying to get that out of him. And, and to me, that's a compelling story. And, and I think the fact that Miz has been playing it seriously. He's not making jokes. He's not doing comedy. And I think like, I think it's going to be an actually like a really good match at, um, at day one that people are probably going to, you know, not be looking forward to. And they're going to be complaining because oh, it's Miz. And why are you wasting an edge match on Miz and blah, blah, blah. But you know what? These are two big stars. Miz is a big star, you know, whether or not people want to admit it, he's got the reality show. He's been a WWE champion. He's been a main eventer for 10 years. He's a big star. And him and Edge wrestling each other is a big deal, you know, and, and so I'll be the one to say it. I'm sure I bet Scott agrees with me, um, you know, and, and we're, you know, we're kind of on the Miz bandwagon and it's very, very empty on this bandwagon. But, um, <laughs> you know, I don't mind because, you know what, if I'm right, that doesn't matter what everyone else thinks. So that's that's cool. That's what I think. All right, Scott, noted Miz supporter. What are your thoughts on this? Hey man, any anyone who's in who's in the group who talks to me at all about wrestling, y'all know how I feel about my boy Mike. Y'all know I am a Miz fan. I think the Miz is that. I, I think the Miz is that guy. I, I I think you can slot him just about anywhere except the main event right now, and he can fill any any need you have. Like, and I think this feud with Edge is. I think Paul really hit it on the head with the first thought of. It was a bad idea to follow up that promo 
the the CM Punk MJF promo. Like it was just a bad idea to follow it up with a promo between Miz and Edge. Just the similarities are just it's too much there. So I think people are automatically just going to make that comparison, and it's not fair to Edge and, and Mike because I like. We all, like everybody said it, Edge cut a great promo last week. And I actually thought Miz cut a good promo this week. I I liked what he had to say outside of the chicken reference, which is getting a little dated. Like, I think, I think he doesn't need to bring that up anymore. Everyone knows that at this point. But everything else he was saying, I'm, I actually like. And Paul brought up that he thinks Edge is trying to get that fighter out of Miz. Well, I, I was kind of reading it a different way, and Miz is trying to get Edge back to being the rated R superstar, mm-hmm. back to being that devious guy. Like he mentioned, you know, you would have speared me out of my shoes. Like you wouldn't mm-hmm. have let me do anything like that. You wouldn't have let me talk to you like that. Like who is this guy I'm standing in front of? Like even I'm sure it'll be brought up, but even when they did the the standoff, like. The old, the, you just it's just the character, like you said, the characters. The old Edge would have would have punched him in his face and speared him again. So I I think we could be leading to maybe Miz bringing that evil side out of Edge, and I don't mean the brood evil side like we got with Seth Rollins, but maybe a potential heel turn from Edge. I, I think that would be very interesting to see if Miz could be the guy to do that. But what's probably going to happen is Maurice is going to come back, cost Edge the match. I think Miz is winning day one, by the way. I think Miz mm-hmm. beats Edge. I think we end up getting a mixed tag at another pay-per-view. Beth Phoenix comes back, gets a big win over Maurice, who caused the victory for Miz. And then Edge gets his victory against Miz down the road, probably at Royal Rumble or something. Well, Royal Rumble might be a little soon, maybe a little later, but Royal Rumble sometime like that. So that's kind of where I think this story goes. But I think there's, I, I think this is an interesting story. I just think it's a shame it's being compared, and it's it's WWE's own fault, and maybe even Edge's own fault for bringing it up. It's just being compared to MJF and and uh, CM Punk. But I, I think the story is pretty good so far. I like it. Well, Miz is, Miz is four to one on the betting sites. I should throw 20 bucks on him. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I'm like, too. I'm telling you, man, I, I think Miz is pulling that win. And I think this is the I, I think this is WWE's attempt to try to re-elevate him. And I don't think Edge yeah. would care to lose to the Miz because I do think he probably does respect him for his the work he has put in. Like he's probably seen him go from that literally that guy who got kicked out to where he is now. So I, I think this is them trying to reestablish him. If the Miz wins, Scott will be handling all coverage for day one. <laughs> I. <laughs> he... hey, it's going to be a Miz show, and hopefully Von Wagner shows up at some point too. Oh I, I'd love for Von to be as heavy. Oh my God! See, I might have to voluntarily take the night off and let Scott handle all duties for day one. If the Miz wins, and I'll even pull a no show, and Scott will not know what to do. <laughs> hey, and it- <laughs> I'll do this bad boy by myself and just sing the Miz. So shout out to the Miz first off. <laughs> <laughs> let me get a let me get a Miz Gender Mahal. Oh no, Von Wagner. Oh, oh my God. No. Let me, let me get that. No. And with that, 
Before we jump into NXT, after this blasphemy that was spoken courtesy of my co-host, <laughs> my God, like the Jenna Mahal thing. Now we're really digging deep into the the unknown waters of this show. But if you like what you're listening to right now, and I hope you do, we do have a paid tier called Feige Media Plus that you can get into right now. But going to patreon.com slash Media, and you get to listen to four great shows Four days a week, you get some retro Monday Night Raw from 97, 98, courtesy of Gigi and John LaRocca as they get ready to dive into possibly the most important year for WWE, 1998, a very memorable year for WWF, to say the least. You also get the Dynamite Show with sexy OG Paul Fontaine. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, and Jeff Hawkins as well. They review Dynamite every single Wednesday night. Also on tap is Brace for Impact with GD Oliver and... Mike Gilbert. So you get that fix as well. And you have the five-star Joshi show with Scott Edwards to wrap up your week. And also moving forward, you will get a bonus show from, from, from the free feed as well from myself, from John LaRocca, from everybody that's on the show monthly. Ooh that you would get some dish, some sweet content. And normally what we do here on The Wrap and formally break it down, we do a retro pay-per-view review. So expect in early January, probably right before the Rumble, a bonus show exclusively on the Patreon covering a Royal Rumble from the last 10 or so years, with the exception of the Royal Rumble 2015, which we did this year. So we'll pick a show to get you ready for the first major pay-per-view outside of day one to kick off your 2022. So all of that is for five bucks a month on patreon.com backslash fight game media. And you can find all the nice little links at the bottom of this show notes that you can get your fix every single day. The best content in combat sports and wrestling today. So please, please, please pay up that five. I ask nicely and kindly and sweetly. It's a great way to give back to those that give out great content on the regular and with that it's now time to dive into nxt and i know scott has been wearing up he's been he's been ready for this moment this entire show in that we had two departures from nxt this week supposedly in the forms of johnny gagano and kyle o'reilly and kyle o'reilly got quite this send-off he had a steel cage match against the one the only the face of NXT 2.0, Von Wagner. And on the way out the door, Kyle O'Reilly loses to Von Wagner. And no, Kyle O'Reilly does not offer a farewell speech. He just simply loses, gets his ass kicked and heads out the door. So Scott, what are your thoughts on Kyle's final supposed appearance, NXT 2.0, and your boy Von Wagner scoring the biggest win of his career thus far? He, the, the goat. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, simply put, he's the goat. Everybody talking about Hook. It's Von Wagner season. Like, <laughs> what is everybody talking about? No, let me tell you something about Von Wagner. That guy might be one of the most emotionless people I have ever seen on a TV screen. Like watching him do things and and just him try to make emotions and emote things and nothing happens. His face moves, but nothing happens. It's the same face. Like even when he smiles, he's still making the same face. When he yells, he's still making the same face. When he blinks, he's still making the same face. Like no matter what he does with his face, 
It's the same thing. Like there's no expression change. And it's a weird thing that goes on. And during this match, I'm watching it and I'm trying to watch it un unbiased, you know, because as big of a fan as I am of Von Wagner, I want to be fair. And I'm watching this match and I'm just thinking to myself, man, Kyle O'Reilly is working really hard in there. He is working really, really hard in there. And Von Wagner is just there. Like, I don't know if I've ever seen anybody just be there as much as he is. And it's like, he's not even the worst I've ever seen. He's just there. And it's such a weird thing to me how somebody can just blah. I mean, that's all I can think of when I think of Von Wagner is just like, nah, like you're just there. He's just a guy. And it makes me so mad that they did all that. They had Kyle O'Reilly hit his knee to the back of the head finisher. Looked great. Von Wagner doesn't even make it a close count. He kicks out at like before, before even, it looks like a two. As soon as his hand hit the two, he kicked out. And then he throws him into the cage twice. Hits his finisher, which actually isn't that bad. Hits his finisher and pins him, and then tries to get fired up after the match and throws his, you know, throws his head into the cage, and then he just looks at the camera <laughs> and just has this dead look on it. Like he looks like a zombie from The Walking Dead without makeup. Like that's he looks like one of the zombies that the Miz that ate the Miz. That's what he looks like. I think he was one of the zombies that ate the Miz and took his life force and became Von Wagner. That's how we got Von Wagner. One of those zombies ate him and ate the Miz and became Von Wagner. That That's the only thing I can think of because he's just a lifeless body out there. Then he had the nerve. He had the nerve to cut a promo later on in the show. <laughs> and, not, and, and, and she tried to ask him a question, and he goes, what did you expect me? What did you expect? Like, it was really bad theater. Like, this was high school theater with a 6'7", 300-pound man who can't change his face. So... I just, I don't know, man. I don't know what, they, what they're doing with Vaughn. I don't know how he's still there. Out of all these people you've been letting go, how Vaughn Wagner is still there. I, I, Vaughn Wagner is a man that has me flabbergasted. Scott, so you're saying that you really like Von Wagner after all of that, right? Despite all my, of the flaws he experienced, favorite. your favorite. He's, he's up there with Randy Orton, my favorite wrestler of all time. <laughs> I sense a shitload of sarcasm, but <laughs> I, I'm going to try to believe you for this one. So, Paul, please defend yeah. Von Wagner and his one note facial expression and your thoughts hey. on Kyle O'Reilly's final match on NXT for now. All right. So when you said that you've never seen a guy with, you know, like no emotion like that, I, I, I beg you to watch some Dante Martin um, because like that's him. Like the, the difference is, is that he's like a fantastic wrestler. But when it comes to like, you know, when they're backstage and when they're doing interviews, he just has this dumb look and he just looks at the camera and he never changes his expression. So it's like the personality of, of him with, you know, the wrestling ability of like 1980. 
88 Mark Callis, you know, like he's, you know, before he be, found the Undertaker role, like when you watch him in WCW, he was just this big dude that like did nothing, you know, and, and so what they need, what Von Wagner needs, and he's going to get every opportunity in the world. And you ask the question, why is he still there? Well, your answer was buried in that burial and it was, you know, six foot seven, 300 pounds, or I don't think he's quite that big, but the, you know, it's because of his size, a guy that size is going to keep getting chances. And what he needs is he needs, if you remember um, back in the day, you know, you had uh, Isaac Yankum and then he became fake diesel and none of those worked. And then they put a mask on him and, and then he was Kane and then they gave him a manager and then eventually he found his personality and, you know, but that's what he needed. And even Undertaker, you know, in the early days, like without Paul Bearer, like he probably, that character might not have worked. So you need, he needs a manager and he needs uh, a different gimmick and you need to probably put a mask on his face so nobody knows who he is um and then yeah, for maybe what? for what for what? what is the mask for he, he can only make one face right the but then you, no just so you don't know who he is like so that oh, okay. you don't have that gotcha, bad gotcha, yeah gotcha. yeah so you hide him you know you put him in gotcha. hiding but but i mean that's and the thing is he's gonna get every chance so there's that but my profound thought that i had when watching that, that cage match and this is nothing to do with him is he's just had he had that cage mat or he had that tag team title match at, um, you know, war games that, you know, you and I had slightly different opinions on. I thought it was stood up with many of the classic war, you know, takeover matches. And, and then he had this cage match, which was really, really good because of Kyle O'Reilly. Um, you know, despite the fact that he was working with not even a broomstick, it was, you know, like a wall. Um, and so in that sense, he's probably had the best two matches, of his entire career that he's ever going to have um, in, you know, in the last two weeks, in the first three months of his career. So um, it's all downhill from here for, for Mr. Wagner, I think. Um, Kyle O'Reilly, you know, I think, um, yeah, you know, it, it certainly looks like he's, he's going to leave, but you know, I mean, stranger things have happened. Uh, the only thing is that I will say though, is, you know, um, aw has got all these big shows coming up they've got his partner right there they've got the red dragon theme music um i uh a little kayfabe i did a show today i can't say what show it is but it's going to air on christmas eve and i was confident enough to reference the um the red dragon match that happened this past Wednesday on dynamite. So that's how, that's how convinced I am that he's going to be there. Um, as soon as he possibly can, um, you know, because, uh, he's, he can leave, like he, he doesn't have a 30, you know, no compete or anything. So, um, I think, I think he's gone and, you know, it's been a nice run. Um, I think they're idiots for, you know, like treating him the way they did, but he's getting out of there and good for him. Yes, I love Cal O'Reilly and he is gone. I've gone a step further. I've booked him in Blood and Guts 2022. It's going to be the Ooh. not undisputed era versus the elite when Kenny is all healed up. That should be fantastic. So I got him ready to go sometime in the summer of next year. It's just when you hear those fans at the PC, all 200 of them, they boo Kyle O'Reilly. Like, how dare you boo a man that is so great? Like, it's not my fault that Adam Cole is a big star and sometimes he, and sometimes he can ecl eclipse a star that is not quite on his level in terms of personality, but is equally as great in the ranks. So I was done with Kyle being in the PC after that feud. As for Von Wagner, <laughs> Let me take a deep breath because Scott has done a burial job on this man that I cannot match. But 
I remember the first episode of 2.0 and two things stuck out like a sore thumb. First was Brooks Jensen and Josh Briggs being the most generic tag team on earth before they became brawling buddies at a bar. Then we have the unceremonious debut of Von Wagner, an unknown, replaces Kyle O'Reilly in the NXT Championship match. And from that day forward, I had the worst first impression of Von Wagner. Very emotionless, has ungodly sized forehead. No offense to him, but it's very noticeable. And he he cannot emote to save his life. He's very green in the ring. He looks like a deer in the headlights sometimes. He does not know how good he is yet. And in some cases, that's a good thing because you're going to get better eventually. But this is not about being a good wrestler. It's about emoting and having a level of charisma that could overcompensate for your in-ring work. At least a guy like Tony D'Angelo has that going for him. Von Wagner has none of that going for him. And as Paul said, his highlight might be Kyle O'Reilly matches this week at War Games and NXT TV because if this is the ceiling, God help him because if he can't break through, and I honestly believe this is on WWE for rushing him up to the main show too soon. He's not ready for television. And I don't want to see greenness on that level on my TV. This is still a nationally televised show every Tuesday. The ratings are hitting very, very low record numbers at this point. And this is one of the reasons why really green people not ready for the spotlight, taking up space from those like a Kyle O'Reilly that can be an ace that can get over saying, hey, I don't want to be here anymore because I am not what you want in a professional wrestler. And to me, that is the biggest indictment of all. Where's Odyssey Jones? That's Why a good we question. Our time with Von Wagner. Where's Odyssey Jones? <laughs> like, what are, like, what are we doing, man? We, we got him on 205 Live. He's two 205 Lives <laughs> instead of Von Wagner. Like, what are we doing? Where's Odyssey? You do know, like, 205 Live is just, like, another 30 minutes of NXT, right? NXT like, yeah, Plus. I saw, like, uh, yeah. wasn't Lash on there? Wasn't Lash yes. on there? Yeah. She looked and they, pretty and good, actually. Jacket Time wrestles on there every week. There's, like, a really awesome gr- Jacket Time versus Grizzled Young Vets match a couple weeks ago. Like, it's it's literally just 30 minutes more of NXT. It's, you know, so, it's... So instead of that being on national television, they put that yeah. on 205. Yes. Yeah, and we got, you know, we got uh, whatever, I you know. I don't even remember. We got the we got the Creed brothers getting the fool made of instead of oh, getting jacket time they, versus the grizzled young veterans. They're on every week. They're on that show beating up jobbers. It's awesome. See that's and that's what they should be doing. That's what yes. they should be doing on national television. Yep. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And Von Wagner should be on two five live. <laughs> Honestly, he's not ready yeah. for that. No, you're right. TV. You're right, though. You're right. You're oh, absolutely yeah. right. And I would probably like him a lot more if he was on two hundred five live because I wouldn't see him. <laughs> wow and what what happened i thought he was uh adam pierce's bodyguard <laughs> see they don't even know what to do with this guy because he he just looks like a security guard you just put him out there he looks like a he looks like a random guy you can put him anywhere and he'll just he'll make the same face holy he, shit this guy's big call him up exactly that's it that's yeah. it oh my god then he gets there and he's like who is this guy? Get him out of here. <laughs> he, <laughs> he has sucks. no charisma. He yeah. sucks. Yeah. I need charisma on my show, goddammit. But in all seriousness, he is better off as a heavy, but he's still a charismaless heavy nonetheless. Yeah. And that's really a shame. And honestly, he was probably just there on a field trip that week to say, Here, Vaughn, here's real life outside of the PC. Do you like it? And he's like, 
he can't emote. So yeah, he's like, well, I we are. So. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Oh, oh my goodness. Big Daddy Von Wagner. Yes. <laughs> Wagner Von Trapp is what I call him on the side. Ooh. But, you know, okay. We have buried this man to the depths of levels that we don't quite go to on this show. But he's a special case because Von Wagner is that dude. And I mean that wholeheartedly. I do. It's like the opposite of Jade. <laughs> <laughs> in a lot of ways oh my goodness yeah because she 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 does a lot she she she, she yeah yeah it is all right so i am that dude <laughs> he couldn't say that like he couldn't say that and make it sound in any no. way work he couldn't say i'm that dude but but you know what he needs is he needs like a, a you know a smart mark sterling or you know like malcolm bivens or you know he could be that dude that stands behind the diamond mine you know like that big uh japanese dude i can't can never remember his name you know he could just yeah. do that just stand there i would say la Knight, but la Knight's apparently a baby face so there's that and yeah <laughs> yeah this is not happening. This is not happening again. Stop, both of you, immediately. <laughs> LA Knight impersonations will break me every single time on this show, as I'm finding reasons to like this dude. But I'll get to him shortly. But we had another departure, allegedly on NXT this past Tuesday, in the form of Johnny Gargano, who cut a great farewell speech for now, only to get attacked from behind, courtesy of that multi-personality. Aussie bastard Grayson Waller who hits poor Gagano in the back with a chair. He power bombs him through the announce table and the fans chant piece of shit getting that real life heel heat that very few get at the PC these days. So knowing what we know now, we now realize that Kyle O'Reilly and Johnny Wrestling are both free agents. They're both on the market. Johnny has reset up his pro wrestling tea site and a Twitch and YouTube channel. So it's telling me that hmm, I might not be coming back to these parts anytime soon. So what are your thoughts on Johnny's farewell for now and his future outside of NXT perhaps Paul so I'm gonna I'm gonna take you back to young sexy G or whatever you're calling me um, in (laughs) grade 11 drama class I did a a play and uh, I I rehearsed this thing I had this big big scene where I had this comedic uh, uh, monologue and it was supposed to just get the crowd to go nuts and I just couldn't nail this thing and we did a couple dress rehearsals and I just wasn't getting the reaction that I thought I should get and then come showtime I give this speech and all of a sudden like the crowd is laughing like and really laughing and so all of a sudden I'm feeding off of that and I'm I just start to really pour into this dialogue and the c- crowd is laughing even more and it's great and I'm just like I'm on cloud nine and I'm looking around like I can't believe this reaction I'm getting and then you know the scene's over I go backstage and I'm like I go to my drama coach and I'm like I, I can't believe that I couldn't believe that and she's like your fly was down and <laughs> so that's why they were laughing but it actually helped my performance and so the reason I bring that up is Grayson Waller comes out and he attacks Johnny Gargano and th- the reaction that he got was real. It was a real reaction and he 
looked around like he couldn't believe what he was hearing and he fed into it and he played off it and we saw more emotion and charisma and whatever out of Grayson Waller in that beatdown than we've ever seen out of him it was a completely different character and I'll bet you like all those NXT people in the back like they're so used to playing in front of the same 200 people every week, every pay-per-view and they're like trained seals. They do whatever you want them to do and they react exactly how they're supposed to. And there's no real emotion. And this is the first time that probably any of them have heard real emotion from a crowd and, and, and he played off it. So I hope that in some way he learns from it because they have something very real there. So when it comes to Johnny Gargano, I don't know if he's going to stay or go. I don't think, the Instagram and the Twitch channel mean anything because he can actually keep that stuff even if he resigns with NXT. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think he's a guarantee he's gone one way or the other. I think there's reasons for him to stay. I think there's reasons for him to go. It depends what's important to him. And if they'll pay him enough, maybe he wants to stay there and only work one day a week and be with his wife and, you know, be at home in his bed every night as opposed to being on the road with AEW or doing indies, you know, or maybe he wants to be away, you know, um, you know, he's been with his wife, you know, every night for the last, you know, 10 years or however long he's been there. Maybe he wants to go, um, you know, who knows? I'm not inside his head. Um, I know what I'd want. Um, and I'm not going to say which one that is, uh, cause she might hear it. Um, <laughs> Maybe I just gave myself away there. Um, but yeah, so I, you know, I think if, if it is the end, it's been a great run, but I, you know, if I had to put money on it and I lost a lot of money on the UFC event tonight as we're recording. So maybe that tells you something about when I put money on something, but I would say he's probably going to come back after, you know, maybe like two or three months and you'll have a really good feud with Grayson Waller who, you know, hopefully can springboard off of this and be like an actual heel that people hate as opposed to, you know, this poser character that he's been for the last three months. And we never know whether he's a heel or a face. He's a definite heel now. Thank God for that. So, Scott, what are your thoughts on Johnny's farewell speech and Grayson Waller getting that authentic hill heat at the PC? Um, I'm going to start with Johnny wrestling. I uh, I really enjoyed his speech. I thought it was really well done. I um I I, I like the you know little line at the beginning. Heartbreak said, "I I got as much time <laughs> as I need." I I like that to kick it off. That was cool. Um, like Tyson throwback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like that. So, um, good start there. And then you could tell like this was a genuine moment for him, and the fans really ate it up. And I I really enjoyed the speech. So as he got to the end, and you can hear the crowd kind of getting up, and they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. You can kind of hear what's so. You know, I, I'm expecting somebody and. I, me, my first thought was it'll probably be like a Carmelo Hayes or somebody like that, somebody big that they're trying to maybe a maybe a Tony D'Angelo. Maybe he's just going to take out everybody on 2.0 and some or or the old black and gold in some way. Uh, maybe it's Braun Breaker to get to Tampa. You know, he takes out his old friend Gargano, which actually would have been kind of cool too. Um, but instead, it was Grayson Waller, and at first I was like, oh no, here we go with this guy again. But I'm actually with Paul in that I saw a lot in him and I really enjoyed his match he had with Champa a few weeks ago as well. And I thought he showed a lot in that match. I've enjoyed his character the last few weeks as far as he's kind of figuring out that he just wants to be the guy that get likes and views and will do whatever it takes to get it. It's a very simple character and it kind of resonates with 
the audience they're quote unquote going for, that younger audience, because that's what it's all about. It's all about likes, clicks, views. You know, did you see what they did? Look at this clip. You know, it's all about clips and stuff. So that character is very simple. And I thought he did a really good job feeding into it. Man, I'm going to be honest with you. The way he fed into that, and he's a good athlete, he's put on good matches. I think Grayson Waller could end up being the breakout, you know, the dark horse, dark horse breakout of this entire 2.0 thing. You know, Braun Breaker is a, he's a sure shot. You know, we don't even have to talk about him when we talk about guys who are going to succeed in wrestling if they want to. I think Grayson Waller, I think he could be, I, I think he could be a main roster champion in the next two years. Like not world, not, definitely not universal WWE, but I could easily see him being a US IC title holder on the main roster in like two years because of his character work. Like he's got that smug character work to him and he can go in the ring. He reminds me a lot of kind of The Miz. Except I was, he's just, I've said that. I, I think <laughs> he's like The Miz for the next 10 years. Yeah, I, I, I get that same vibe, except I think he's better. Like I think he's better right now than where The Miz was. I think The Miz is a better promo, but he can get that. I think he Grayson Waller has a much better grasp on a character than the Miz did at this point. So yeah, I, I think that's right on point, Paul. I, I he reminds me a lot of the Miz, and I I think he can be a mainstay on the main roster for a long time. I really like the upside of Grayson Waller after this. I'm horrified and excited at the same time at that comparison. But in all seriousness, <laughs> I do like Grayson Waller. I think he opened my eyes a few weeks ago against Ciampa and earlier against Roderick Strong for the Cruiserweight Championship. I saw his potential. Like, he really stands out in a good way in the ring. The only issue was these character switches. I'm a thrill seeker one week. I'm a love doctor the next now. I'm all about the likes and the clicks. And I hope they stick with that as that could be money for him down the road. And he had a great performance this past Tuesday. It's not an easy thing to do to play off the fans. And he did so in a great way that made him get over as the biggest heel on this show. And that really speaks well to his future. And he emotes way more than someone we know that we've talked about extensively just moments ago. But we're going to leave Mr. Wagner alone for now. Now, our final topic from NXT 2.0 this week is something I thought I would never think about in a million years. And that I think I'm warming up to L.A. Knight as a baby face. Yeah. 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 And... I saw the promo he did a few weeks ago on NXT backstage, and it was about the Halloween Havoc mishap, and it grew on me a little bit. Then he cut the promo prior to War Games, and that was a great promo, hyping up the OGs. I loved yeah. it. It was phenomenal. Now, granted, he thinks he is the rock and stone cold one into rolled into one nice, tight, compact package. He does sound like the both of them together. It's a hybrid I can't get into, but he is a damn good promo. And now you hear the fans at the PC during the yeah, and it's catchy. It's lovely and I'm starting to warm up to LA Knight and I'm not going to lie and say that I have been a big fan of his this entire time I did really enjoy enjoy his work with Cameron Grimes earlier this year over the million dollar championship belt the vignettes the segments were great before the switch over to 2.0 and he might have found a lifeline on this show to break through as a babyface that can talk on this show long term so what are your thoughts Scott on L.A. Knight being a baby face that actually could get over and possibly maybe one day get called up to the main roster to be a manager because he can talk when need be. 
I think he's hands down, no questions asked, not even close the best talker on NXT 2.0. Um, I think he's one of the best talkers in the entire company. Uh, he, he can get you like, I think the war games promo is the best example. Like, that guy got you fired up. He got you ready to see this match. And he does it so easily. But then you think back to, like you said, to the Cameron Grimes feud where he just made you hate him and he made you want to see Cameron Grimes cave that guy's chest in. So I I really, I, I'm a big fan of LA Knight. And, you know, he's another guy who, we just talked about him, Grayson Waller, who got all this, you know, all this real heat, all this real hate. And now he's going to go against L.A. Knight, it seems like. That's what kind of what they set up before this attack. So I, I actually think that's going to work really well for L.A. Knight because now there's a, even more incentive for the people to cheer him because they want to see him beat up Grayson Waller at that. Uh, I think he's gotten better in the ring. He's got a great look. I'm shocked that he's not on the main roster already. I, I am I figured he is everything you want. He's he's got a great look. He can talk. He can go in the ring. And like you said, like we've seen him pull up guys who can go just to use them as talkers. They did it with Leo Rush and Bobby Lashley. Um, so I, I'm I'm shocked that he's not up there already. He's probably the only guy that could get some type of emotion out of Von Wagner. Ooh, that's a big ask. We'll see if he can do it in the months to come. But, Paul, what are your thoughts on L.A. Knight possibly being, outside of Ciampa, the most over babyface in NXT if we don't count the greatness of Braun Breaker? Yeah, I, I, you know, Breaker for sure. Um, yeah, I, it's funny because for the longest time, like, these two have been kind of linked, you know, going all the way back to before Halloween Havoc. And you didn't really know who we're supposed to be cheering for and who we're supposed to be booing. You know, they had uh, Grayson Waller briefly linked up with um, Cameron Grimes, you know, uh, you know, trying to get him to become a ladies man like that's you know been forgotten so they're just kind of going back and forth and trying to decide okay what's the best role for these guys and i think they finally hit on it here and that short little skit that they did in the parking lot like you know it kind of solidified it like you talked about the promo that they did before war games which is awesome and it's more of like a traditional pro wrestling promo to get you excited for a match which is what that's supposed to be and that's again i, I like that scott brought up you know him being a manager because i think that is the long-term role for him you know like an mvp you know that can maybe get into the ring occasionally but would be like a mouthpiece for somebody you know, like a von wagner or you know like some you know uh, uh parker bordeaux you know not not Joe Gacy, um, you know, like, or, you know, even some guys that might be there now that, you know, might need that little extra kick in the can. Um, and all these, you know, college guys that got coming up. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of use for a guy like him or even on commentary. Like there, there's so much stuff that a guy that can talk like he does, um, can do. And, and it's amazing that it took him as long to get to WW. I know he was in developmental in like the mid two thousands, but, um, you know, it, it's amazing that it took him that long to get there because I could see it in impact. He used to have that talk show segment, uh, dummy, yeah, with the button, and he would press it, and the whole crowd was doing the dummy, yeah thing, even though he was a heel, and you could see it then, and and you know, and he's kind of evolved the character a little bit. Um, he, I think, he's learning how to incorporate his catchphrases better instead of just spouting them off. He's finding places for them, which is, you know, you can't be doing that stuff on the main roster when he gets there, but you know, you could try it out in NXT until you figure out what works and what doesn't work, and. 
that's what that's there for. So um, I think like he's been one of the more improved guys in the last, you know, uh, since he got here, really. But even in the last three months, um, you know, really shine spot of uh, NXT 2.0, in my opinion. Yeah, I got to agree. And he's growing on me. I can't deny it. He's going to be a very over baby. Yeah. Face. Yeah. Heading into 2022 as he's really one of the last few vets on That's that a show. Fact of life. It really is a fact of life. <laughs> Give me Von Wagner. Yeah. <laughs> Give me Big Von. Yeah. I'll take the Big Von guy. Big dummy. <laughs> I'll make him to big a star. Dumbass. As he thinks about being a dumbass, am I a dumbass? Am I too a dumbass? We'll find two different (laughs) spectrums of the promo stick. Oh my God. Yes. Well, you know what? That's what promo class is for, for him to learn how to cut a promo. It's like Russian Dante Martin. There you, there you go. It's a, it's a good, at least Leo Rush. I mean, at least Dante Martin though can fly. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Vaughn can. Vaughn's working on walking. Yeah, <laughs> we're getting better at that. What, what? Did, uh, oh, what did Garrett call Cora Jade a baby giraffe? <laughs> He's like a big giraffe. <laughs> so when I saw that quote, I wish I would have saw that before I did the review because I would have quoted what he yeah. said because that was great. That was yeah, yeah that was great. That was great. <clears throat> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm completely throwing everything <laughs> off course with my with my Von Wagner hate. Oh no, I love it because we can pull out these shovels at any time to yeah. bury Von <laughs> Wagner because it is a thing to do on this show. And that is going to be a recurring theme moving forward. This is now the Von Wagner hour, courtesy of Fike <laughs> Media Network, and we're very happy about that. As we make that smooth segue to Friday Night SmackDown on Fox from this past Friday night from the Staples Center, a place I cannot call the Staples Center anymore, soon to be crypto.com. By the way, that name sucks. It will be the staple center to me always and forever but i digress but i do want to talk about the greatness of brock lesnar i am gathered here today to put this man over and his overalls as he was the star of this show we thought his ponytail was great oh no 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 not just his ponytail the overalls the flip phone the moose hunting, his chemistry with Sami Zayn. It is spectacular to see this Brock Lesnar, the over-talkative jolly beast on the mic and being absolutely funny, terrorizing Sami Zayn and Adam Pearce all in the same night. I thought the opener of SmackDown was tremendous. And I swear to God, if Peacock does not commission the Canadian misadventures of Brock Lesnar <laughs> and Sami Zayn, a docu-series of their hunting trips in Saskatchewan. They're missing money on the table. So Sami Zayn, I encourage you to resign with WWE for this alone because it would be a license to print money. But I loved everything about Brock Lesnar on this show. Paul Heyman was great gassing this dude up saying, where is my beast? Where is my client? Because you would have put Sammy on his ass just like that. Suplex City. And he did. And then he went backstage later in the show to antagonize Adam Pearce saying that the moose he skinned, he ate and then he killed, in, in, in some order, he killed Skin and ate a moose. He said that moose was named in honor of Adam Pierce because he suspended him indefinitely. And that suspicion has been since lifted. And he wants to thank Adam Pierce for giving him the reason to go <laughs> moose hunting again. Brock fucking Lesnar is the best of the best. The best babyface 
on SmackDown, dare I say the best babyface in WWE today. What are your thoughts on the greatness of Brock Lesnar, Paul? So uh, as people that listen to the Dynamite show, as, as you did a promo for earlier, no, I'm a big AEW fan. And more more often than not, like most weeks, you know, th- that's the best shows to me. And I think they're the best company right now. Um, I think, you know, New Japan has better wrestling, but I think AEW has a better overall package. And uh, but what I will say is when WWE hits like that is my wheelhouse. And if if WWE is good, I'm going to like it better than AW. And Brock Lesnar in now twice in a row in these opening segments with Sami Zayn, two weeks in a row, because uh, you guys didn't cover SmackDown on the show last week because it was a pay-per-view. But um, he the, the comedy is just great. And it's not just comedy for comedy's sake. You know, like Chris Jericho and MJF were doing for like three months where they were just trying to crack each other up and crack the crowd up but not really building anything um in this case you know they're building to a match and and sammy is like the pawn in the middle that's you know leading them to roman reigns and and brock lesnar but like you said the chemistry between brock and sammy is just incredible and then you got paul Heyman in there coming in and you know sammy talking about suing everyone and then he comes Paul Heyman comes in and he's just trying to ignore Sammy and Sammy just keeps interrupting him and Brock's just or I mean uh Heyman's just looking at him and then you know then we get Brock Lesnar smiling Brock with his plaid shirt and his overalls and his flip phone and I when he did that soliloquy at the end of the show where he basically uh did a monologue about hunting and dissecting and eating and then mounting Canadian moose with uh traumatized um uh, Adam Pierce looking on like you know clearly the message was you're next um and and he even named the moose Pierce I mean it was just great and then you had Paul Heyman and you know like when, oh when Kayla asked him he says uh you know our you know I can't remember oh how did you get out of your uh your your suspension he says ask my advocate and then, you know, and then she finds Heyman and he doesn't answer. So it's just, it's so good. And it's so compelling. And we didn't even have the biggest star on the brand, Roman Reigns, there this week. But it didn't matter because we got Brock. Take your hook and, you know, whatever. Brock is a hundred <laughs> times better than Hook. And I don't care. Um, I, I This was just outstanding. And I'm so looking forward to uh, that day one and Mania. Now, I love me some Hook. I do. He had a great debut. He looks like Jughead's brother from Riverdale. Not going to lie. Maybe he's a little Tom Holland from the new Spider-Man movie. Hook's got it. But Brock Lesnar is that dude, unlike Von Wagner. So, Scott, (laughs) what are your thoughts on the greatness that is Brock Lesnar blessing us, gracing us with his awesomeness on the mic and his outstanding chemistry with Sami Zayn, which I, honest to God, did not see coming at all? Could you imagine watching a just a like a, a video of Brock Lesnar teaching Sami Zayn how to gut a moose? <laughs> like, just imagine watching Brock Lesnar, you know, be like, no, no, take take, take your time, Sammy, take your time. Right here. There you go. Get it get gotta dig deep in there before you yeah, nice cut. Nice cut. 
Like, can you imagine why? And then, and then the best part would be because obviously it's got to build throughout, and you know, Brock's going to get mad at him, get frustrated. But then when Sammy gets it, when Sammy finally gets it right. And they get that big hug at the end. Or, you know, he jumps into his arms and they get that big smile on their face and they look at each other and then they jump off and, you know, look the other way. I think that that's that's a that's a WWE. That's a Peacock special. I'll watch you. You you give me 15, 20 minutes of that. I'll watch. (laughs) I'll tell you that real quick. I think that'd be fantastic to watch Brock Lesnar teach Sami Zayn. How to hunt, gut, cook, and then watch them eat a meal together as they go and and eat and then go and live in a log cabin for a week. You know, again, another brace for impact mention. They uh they have Wrestle House over there. Maybe we'll call this Moose House. You know, <laughs> they, hey, there's a town in Saskatchewan called Moose Jaw. That could be the name of the show. There, that's even better. That's even better, Paul. I I like that even better. What's it called? What's it called again? Moose Jaw. Yeah, there you go. That's the name yeah. of the show. Yeah, and they uh, and you have Sammy like you know Brock feeding him the moose, and then Brock looks away, and Sammy spits out the moose into his napkin and throws it <laughs> there off the it floor. Is. There it is. The show writes itself. I mean, because Brock Lesnar is such an underrated performer. Like, yeah. you know, people people hate on him because he, you know, he's this dominant, but he's a great performer, man. He can do anything you want him to do on the screen, and like. I don't know. He's he's a lot. He's been a lot more fun than I ever could have imagined as a babyface. I I love watching him. Like I I look forward to watching him toss people around. Now like I he he's been fantastic as a babyface. It's he's going to be great watching Roman beat him in the crowd boo Roman at day one. Mm-hmm. Yes, and this feud makes sense for the first time in six years, and. Babyface Brock was great in 2003 with Kurt Angle. Like, people forget that time when Brock talked on a regular basis. And he had great chemistry with Kurt Angle in those backstage segments, sharing milk, talking shit. It was great times. And still, to this day, boom box, boom box Brock Lesnar. (laughs) When he came out there with that boom box as a money in the bank briefcase, and he's jamming to imaginary music and dancing, Brock's comedic humor is underrated and to see him really embrace it this time around is special to watch and he is fantastic bringing back the flip phone and it's a callback to what Paul Heyman said years ago that Brock does not have a phone he has to make the phone call from a pay phone so now it's technological growth that he's upgraded from a flip phone he broke the flip phone though so now the next step is a Motorola and then he'll move up to an iPhone and a Samsung and eventually by 2025 He'll be with us in the world of 5G. So good for Brock. You know, you bring up the flip phone. I bet you every time he has to travel somewhere, because he probably doesn't have a phone. He probably just goes to a gas station and buys a quick phone, (laughs) loads it up for, you know, however long he's going to be there for the couple days, sends the family that number. So that way nobody can get in contact with him except his family. And that was probably him saying, it's time for me to go home. I already told him. I already sent the text that I'm going home. I already called him so I can destroy this phone. And once I finish this segment, I'm out. (laughs) That's probably how that went. Yeah. Oh, the greatness of Brock. Cannot understate it enough. Uh, overstated, I should say, enough because he's the best. Now, next up is the official SmackDown debut of Zia Lee. And as I watched her debut, 
I immediately thought of Nikki Ash for Monday Night Raw because for weeks, Zia Lee got the proper superhero introduction. She got the graphic novel vignettes. You got the fact that she was a fighting babyface for her family since she was little. She just embodied being a badass. She didn't need a cape or a mask. She just embodied being the protector. Then she comes out with by far the best entrance in WWE today, shooting lightning bolt CGI style out of herself. It was a great intro as she saved Naomi from the evil Sonya Deville, Natalia, and Shayna Baszler. And this feud must continue despite how great Sonya looked in her gear for the first time in well over a year, but they're delaying this match for reasons I understand, but I want Sonya to get back in the ring as soon as possible. I miss her dearly between the ropes. So as I see Zia Lee's debut and I see the potential tag team of Naomi and Zia Lee, they gave me flashbacks to Naomi and Asuka a few years ago. Who could have been a great tag team, by the way? Now, as I see this scenario play out, do I dare have hope? Do I dare dream for the best for Zia Lee? On SmackDown, do I dare believe that WWE won't fumble the ball on this superhero that got the proper buildup, the proper backstory, unlike Nikki Ash, who became a superhero overnight with no buildup whatsoever. At least Zia Lee got the promo, the treatment, the debut. But now I'm scared now because I remember Aleister Black came back for a week and then I never saw him again until he was in AEW. So I don't want the same thing to happen to Zia Lee. So Scott, do you dare dream that WWE won't screw this up for Zia Lee? That she can get over as a star on SmackDown and be a difference maker in the SmackDown women's division? I'm going to be honest. I don't like the start that they got her on. Um, I love the entrance. I'm with you on that. I love the, like, the kind of Super Saiyan effect that it had on her with the lightning. It was kind of reminding me of a Super Saiyan 2. You know, once you get to that level, the lightning starts coming off. I thought she looked great. I, I think she has a great look to her. Um, I, I don't like her. I, like it's, it, Her debut should have been her. It should have been all about her. And this didn't feel like it was all about her. It felt like her being interjected into the story. And I'm going to be honest with you. For a second there, I thought Sonya Deville was about to be like, and I'm actually not going to wrestle you. Here's who your new opponent's going to be. And I thought that's how Zia Lee was going to debut. So I'm actually happy that didn't happen because I think she has real good babyface potential. But you... I, I'm going to keep saying it, man. You just got to have squash matches. You you got to utilize the squash match. Like, it's okay. And you have people under contract that you can just have her go out and kick their head off and go home. Just just have her go out there, kick their head off, and go home. Like, that's how she should be built up. She should just be built up as a killer because that's how you've been portraying her with your vignettes. Like, I think they've done a really good job hyping this up. I was really excited about this. I love the entrance. I just don't like her. It feels like she's being shoehorned into this story with Naomi and Sonya Deville being, you know, and being mad at, at Naomi for some reason, um, I, which we, we still don't know why. I, I'm still waiting on that. But I just feel like she's being shoehorned into that when this this should have been all about Xylee and how deadly her striking is, how lethal her kicks are. Like she should have knocked somebody out. That's what she should have left somebody laying in the ring. That's how this should have ended. And I, I, I don't have a lot of faith. I, I unfortunately don't. 
And sadly, that is valid because I'm in the same boat. So your thoughts, Paul, and Zaylee's debut on SmackDown this past Friday. Yeah, I got to agree with both of you. Um, I like obviously the entrance is great. And the fact that Pat McAfee likes it means it's going to get over because he's just going to go nuts every time she comes out, um, which is something undersold in in a lot of what happens on SmackDown. Like some of these acts are getting over because of him, which is his job. So um, good, good for him. Um, but I, I got to say, like, I remember back in NXT before. I think it was before she got hooked in with like you know the the thousand year old woman and all that like she was doing those squash matches that you talked about and she was knocking girls out in you know like under a minute and i just remember thinking like they've got something here and you know she's a home completely homegrown person they've trained from scratch um which is something that they always get a lot of criticism about that they don't have anybody like that and she she had something and she's got that natural in-ring charisma um but this act the problem is it really worked for this segment like you know coming out and you know protecting naomi as they say you know from the evil you know sonia deville but i mean she didn't actually do anything to sonia number one is a problem and then the other problem is is this like what does she do next you know like is it just going to be every week sonia's going to be terrorizing someone and she's going to come out and save them like that's going to get old so fast so it's you know it's like they got to create scenarios for her to come out and save people like that's just like you know we're not watching like you know a superman comic you know um every week like that that doesn't work in a pro wrestling setting unfortunately um because they've only got so many women on the roster and she's not going to be saving men i don't think um yeah maybe she could but i you know that's not going to work either i don't think so um i you know not just have her be that defender and that's a cool character and you know shooting out but just have her win matches like what's wrong with that it's so easy. And I, I've, yeah. I've really respected Zaylee's work dating back to the Mae Young Classic nearly five years ago. And she's really good. She's grown so much in that time. And I'm glad she has this new gimmick. But as you said, I do not want her to be an actual superhero coming to the rescue to somebody different every single week. She needs to get wins on this show. And that's my hope because that's the way you get somebody over long term. If you want people to be viable against the Charlotte Flair down the road, then you have to build them up from scratch. And Zia Lee is the perfect way to do that consistently. I'm here for the save this one week. And I do agree that she deserved a separate debut. It was billed as a separate debut. And you kind of put her in this Naomi situation with Serena Deville to kind of kill two birds with one stone. But I wanted a separate Zylee debut. That's what you advertise WWE. But as we all know, the card is subject to change at any time. Annoying Vince, when he gets to the building, I rip up the script and he says, I'm just going to combine these two things together and we'll make it work. But I do hope that she does have a good run on this show but where's Rich Holland these days? So that's already a bad sign for things to come. <laughs> Just saying. Oh, boy. Yeah, I'm already feeling for him already. Like, oh, dear. Once you start disappearing and you're not Seamus a stalker anymore, your days are starting to be numbered. But before we move on to our last topic, I do want to talk about Shisuke Nakamura as our reigning, defending Intercontinental Champion. And I love me some Shisuke Nakamura. I truly do. He had a great run in the gauntlet match earlier this year. And I thought the WWE missed an opportunity for him to be the guy to face Roman Reigns at the Warrior Rumble over Kevin Owens. The storyline wrote itself and they did not go in that direction. Then he became King Nakamura by dethroning King Corbin and becoming the IC Champion 
being a short time later. Since then, he's been in a tag team with Rick Boogs, facing Los Otorios for weeks at a time. And the IC title has been put on ice since then. I think he has not defended this title in at least three months. And that is a staggering stat. So I'm thinking to myself, what is the purpose of Shisuke Nakamura moonlighting with Rick Boogs as IC champion when you're not in a singles feud for said championship? And the first thing that popped into my head was a segment that took place a few weeks ago on SmackDown that might be long forgotten now, that there was some beef between Ricochet and Mustafa Ali. And you're telling me that these two guys on SmackDown can't fight over this championship in a best of seven series and free up Shisuke Nakamura to be a full-time tag team with Rick Boogs if they opt to go in that direction. But you're icing icy title for reasons I don't understand. And you're doing a disservice to the mid-card scene that desperately needs something to fight for. Sheamus is out there. Cesaro as well. They need a mid-card fight. Uh, they need a mid-card title to fight for. And it's put on ice indefinitely by bad WWE booking. So what are your thoughts, Paul, on Shisuke Nakamura and the IC title? And should they move it from him at this point? Well, I think the answer to your second question is is absolutely. Um I, I do like, so I'm torn because I obviously, you know, this title reign has been next to nothing. I mean, the only guys I even remember him having an issue with over the title was Apollo Crews, who he beat. And then I think Kevin Owens, he was kind of feuding with for a little while. And they're both on Raw and have been for a while. So that's how long it's been since the IC title was even talked about. So, um, and this is a title that is kind of got a reputation going back to when I was a kid of being, you know, the work the worker title and it was the title that all like the great workers wanted to have and to f- wrestle for and now it's just you know it's something for Shinsuke to wear down to the ring while he gyrates to Rick Boog's guitar playing and no but the 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 where I'm torn is is that that I really like that act and I really you know it's a highlight every week for me uh, you know hearing Boogs do his promo and having Shinsuke gyrate down to the ring and even their matches like they've got good chemistry in the ring they're both obviously you know excellent in the ring but you know they're you know they're not they're not feuding over the Intercontinental title. They're not feuding over tag team titles because they're feuding with Los Lotharios, who, as near as I can tell, aren't the champions or the number one contender or the number two contender or even the number three contender, as we found out in the main event. Um, so, you know, where where does that put Boogs and, and Knack? Um, but, I mean, it's fun. Like, it's fun TV, you know. So, that, in that sense, I'm torn. I just want to be entertained. And um, But, yeah, if they got the title off of them, off to a Mustafa Ali or Mustafa or, um, you know, Mansoor or Ricochet. I mean, all we saw of them was hanging around backstage. Can't remember what they were doing, but Ricochet was there in his glasses and looked like a reporter. <laughs> like, I don't know what, I, can't, I don't remember what that skit was. I just remember seeing them and Mansoor just smiling, you know, um, you know, just doing, you know, oh, at least I'm getting paid. Um, you know, and, and, and I think Drew Gulak, like with sunglasses on for some reason, like, oh, I don't I know. Do, what, yeah, I do remember. Yeah, and now I, I know I, what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah I, I, Drew Gulak had some pretty fancy yeah. looking glasses on now that I think. Yeah, I assumed he was hiding a black eye, but he looked cool. Um, you know, that, that, you know, have those guys, you know, wrestle, you know, for the Intercontinental title. Do a battle royal and, you know, have the winner face Nakamura for the title and just get it off him. And then, you know, like, let them do their future 
feud and and have some great matches for the IC title because I mean I've enjoyed SmackDown the last few weeks but there's been like no wrestling on the show um, as you know people have been reporting on the internet and I mean it's fine like I like the show but um, you know when you get around to pay-per-views and and you don't even have an intercontinental title match like that's pretty bad yes your thoughts Scott on Shisuke Nakamura's run as IC champion thus far and what can they do to fix it well, they can't fix it. Um, the The run is done. I, I think it is time to get rid of it. I think for me personally, I, I'm, I'm with there's only two options for this title. And unfortunately, one of them has just been beat down so much. And it's a shame because it's the last piece of his puzzle. And I think Sheamus is a guy who could really do something with the IC title. It's the only title he's never won. Mm. And, and I know that's kind of more of a babyface story, you know, of him getting that last title he's never won. But I, I think he would do a lot with the IC title. I, I've always said I'm really high on Sheamus as a worker. I think he brings a different style to what WWE has. Like he all every one of his matches feels different than everything else on the card, no matter where he is, no matter what he's doing on in WWE, because he brings just a physicality that other matches don't have. And it's fun watching the different wrestlers be more physical with him. Like even the smaller guys just just more physical with him. Because he brings it to them and they, they give it right back. But I think he's a guy who could do a lot with the IC title as a heel or baby face because I think he could have good matches with a lot of people. I think he's someone you could put credibility to very easily just because he's got a great look. The bro kick can easily get put over very quick. Another guy I think you could do a lot with the IC title because if you don't have main event plans for him, there's no point in him just sitting around not not doing nothing but just floating around you know not really in the main events but not in the mid card I would put it on Drew McIntyre and kind of let him have a little bit of a John Cena US title type run where he's just having good matches against any and everybody on the card defending against everybody on the card and just mixing it up with guys I would do something like that because if you're not if Drew's not main eventing anytime soon and maybe they are building to that but if he's not main eventing Wrestlemania or going against Roman anytime soon you're not doing no much Shinsuke in the title anyway I say put it on Drew keep it relevant keep Drew relevant you know, you keep that title on somebody important. The man makes the title, not the other way around. If it's on Drew, it's more important. You know Drew's not going to take a loss to some random. And if he does take a loss, it's going to mean something, which means that title change is going to mean something, which means whoever has that title, the next week after they win, they're going to mean something. What they do after that is up to them. So I say you go to Drew McIntyre and let him elevate that title with good matches and just him being a main event guy. I love all of those ideas, and I've been a big champion of Sheamus this year. I think he is probably the best ass kicker in WWE this year. I've seen all of the matches on Raw, on SmackDown, on pay-per-view. This dude has been special, and maybe one good long babyface run as IC champion would be a nice way to cap off his career because he definitely has the stuff to be the best badass on this show alongside Drew McIntyre, who's apparently being held down by a higher power. Who in the hell could that be? 
We do not know. I don't think it's Vince because we've been there, done that. But the higher power will be revealed at a later date. And with that, it's now time to wrap up this show with my favorite segment, the guilty pleasure and the one thing we must avoid at all costs. And one thing you got to turn the TV off for and regret ever watching the segment to begin with. So, Scott, what is your guilty pleasure and the one thing you said, oh, hell no, this week? (sighs) <sighs> I'm going to probably get some backlash from this, but uh, the thing I said no, I'm, I'm good on this week was actually uh, live watching Liv Morgan's big victory because I uh, once the once Big E and uh, Kevin Owens went off, I turned it to LeBron James and the Lakers, so I had to catch her on the uh, DVR. Oh. Mm. So that's <laughs> that's mm. my oh no for this week. Um, sorry about that, Liv. Looks like I didn't miss anything too big. I'll see you on day one. <laughs> As far as my, uh, <laughs> let me stop. <laughs> you know what? That's I'm sorry. That's supposed to be reserved for Von Wagner. So, so I'm sorry, Liv. Let me take that back. Let me get a rewind real quick. Let me get a, let me get a quick, let me get a quick rewind real quick. I'm sorry, Liv. Shout out to Liv Morgan. My bad. All right. So my uh, my skip of the week is every time Von Wagner is on the screen. They'll just make that real quick. Um, my guilty pleasure of the week. Uh, it, it sucks because I love watching them, but my guilty pleasure of the week is Mr. Bivens. I think he is fantastic on the mic and I love watching him. I wish he would get more mic time, but every time he starts talking, every time he's got diamond mind with him, I am glued to the screen and I'm glued to him. Like I, he elevates that group. If he wasn't the manager, I don't think I'd care as much. So my guilty pleasure is, is Mr. Bivens. He's fantastic. Trick. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. That caught me off guard. (laughs) I broke Keela. Again, that's the week. Hey, you've been broke two weeks in a row, Keela. I did not know I was going to be the drop this week. (laughs) Well, he did say trick with such passion. And he said it with his whole chest. He's waiting for his whole life to say trick on national television in that way. So thank you, Paul, for breaking me. Two out of the last three weeks on this show, I'm in tears. God help me. So please tell me your guilty pleasure and the one thing you said no to this week. All right, so my guilty pleasure is somebody that amazingly has not come up at all today, I don't think, and that's Matt Riddle. Um, He was on all three shows, so if you don't watch anything else this week, just find the Matt Riddle segments and watch it because he was on Raw, he was on NXT as a shaman, he was on SmackDown, and he did a backstage skit, and he did the main event, and everything he did on Raw, on NXT, and SmackDown was a home run, and uh, like that, this is like the best week of his career, in my opinion, and uh, I just loved it, and go watch that. Um, for my avoid at all costs, so this segment started with the absolute nonsense in a tag team match in NXT with the tag rope and the grizzled young vets out there. It carried over to backstage where they were hanging around lockers and you had jacket time make an appearance and say something about uh oh i can't remember whatever the catchphrase was um 
something about a plan or I, I don't even remember it. It's a callback to a couple of weeks ago. And then Brooke Briggs and Jensen showed up and then Casey and, and, uh, Caden wandered in and they were off to a rave and Brooks and Jensen followed them. And then out of all of this, the scene clears and some random person in a nighty licking an ice cream cone pops up from behind a desk and i'm just like what the hell am i watching and this was just awful 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 television and i wish i hadn't seen it well this is technically canon because she's been sleeping around backstage on nxt for the last few weeks or so and it's actually the former mei yang that is karen q back playing okay. a new character I'll that i hope to God, for it. i swear it's her I hope that she is not going to be somebody that's going to appear in her pajamas every single week to fight. That would suck. But is I, it like the Ron Simmons damn thing? Like where she's just showing up at the end of things as a punchline? It's or possible. as an exclamation mark? She okay. just wakes up at random times just to yeah. be a part of the segment, which I don't understand. But hopefully she gets some character development on this show very, very soon. At least she's no longer the thousand year old lady. Thank goodness for that. <laughs> All right. As for my guilty pleasure this week, I had Malcolm Bivens on my list because dude was great. But I've got to pivot to the wig of Duke Hudson. That wig is an MVP. <laughs> that wig was great. It reminded me of Fred from Scooby-Doo, a little Johnny Quest as well. And at least Duke Hudson has something. He still needs a personality, but... At least a wig is something different before he's it, before his cue ball is fully exposed next week of doing a no ho- a no hose barred match with Cameron Grimes. Now, as for my avoid at all costs. Now, this is a preemptive strike before anything bad happens. But I'm telling you now to avoid this shit at all costs. So let's go back to Friday Night Smackdown. Drew McIntyre was not allowed to carry Angela, the sword, with him to the ring. And he stabs the sword in Adam Pierce's desk. And after the match is over, we have Baron fucking Corbin and Madcap Hatter Moss still the desk of Adam Pierce with Excalibur stabbed right in the middle of it. I don't know if they're going to sell the sword or the desk. I don't know what they're going to do, but I do not want to see Drew McIntyre in a mindless, mind-numbing, soulless feud against Happy Corbin and Matt Capadamos. All I thought about was oh. Roman Reigns and Baron Corbin two years ago. Remember it? Dog, mascot, dog, food, bullshit. Oh. I don't want to see this re- relived on my screen via Drew McIntyre and Baron Corbin. For the love of God Almighty, don't do it. See, no, that's why I want him into the IC title. Yeah, that's why I want him in the IC title. So that way he's not doing nothing or just dwindling away with people. I watched SmackDown like just not that long before we recorded this show. And I have zero recollection of what you're talking about. I don't know if I walked out of the room or if I drifted off or what, but I was actually thinking during this show, did we even see, like when, when Scott brought up Baron Corbin, like, did we even see Baron and Madcap this week? Like, I don't remember seeing them. So I guess in my sense, maybe that's why I like SmackDown so much. Cause I didn't see the segment that you're telling everyone to avoid. Yes. And so, then the thing was, they were like looking. So my thing is, if the camera's on you, what are you looking around for to see who's watching you when the camera's on you? Because they saw are, are, the camera and they're like whispering, shh, shh, and they're looking around like somebody's going to see them. 
<laughs> Everyone uh, sees you. Yes. That sounds awful. Technically, oh, technically, Drew was still in the ring after this match was over, and they played the video of them stealing the desk <laughs> and the sword. So what did you I, expect was going to happen? He's going to see you steal this fucking sword, you idiots. But oh, that this okay? I did. I I you know what? I did drift off uh, during the uh, Sheamus Drew match. So that's what happened. That's how I missed it. Okay. And so they don't think there's cameras in the building. Like even if there weren't yeah. cameras for the show, like they just think that there's no cameras and they can just walk out I with the know. desk with the sword. Yes. What is Excalibur. going on? Oh, they're they're wrestling at day one. Like oh no, no. oh no. <laughs> See, I have to really take the night off now. If the Miz wins and this match takes place, Scott is flying solo that night, and maybe he can recap Migos' performance in Atlanta. <laughs> something i just can't maybe take i'll it. come on, i'll come on and do a guest performance of bad and bougie <laughs> hey I'm, a, I, I'm telling you miss miss is winning on day one and you're right about this match probably happening so yeah. hey man i i don't want well, to do about myself to, though that'll lead to miss and uh, maurice against uh, edge and beth exactly yeah, that, yeah that's exactly what i think and Beth's gonna get yeah. a big win then edge will get yeah. the royal big rumble win down the road maybe mania Oh, actually, I didn't even think about Mania, but I guess they could extend it all the way out to Mania if they do it like that. Yeah. If any of this happens, I'll be drunk during day one. <laughs> I want it to be known now. I'll be liquored up. Oh, so, you got to oh. get on the show then. If you could be drunk, you yeah. got to be on the show then. You yeah. absolutely have to be on. Yes. Like you like you shit talk Von Wagner. That would be me shit talking The Miz at this entire <laughs> reveal. So I'll be here for that and with that we've had quite the show ladies and gentlemen my goodness we had an impromptu roast of von wagner on this show and it was glorious so i want to thank scott and paul for joining me today for quite the entertaining episode an unforgettable episode of the rap that quite frankly should be put in the hall of fame so thank you guys for joining me this week this is so much fun thank you for having me here it's always a blast. Can't wait till next week. And uh, I got to figure out what, what I'm going to do for uh, for my annual Von Wagner talk for next week. I got to figure out some more material. Oh, my God. So I must make this announcement now since it's fresh, because next week I hype this up privately that it will be a very special show. It's the week before Christmas and there is no pay-per-view for WWE this month, which means that you might not get the Slammies, but you'll get the first ever end of year rap awards. And our Ooh. first award has been announced. The Von Wagner Memorial. <laughs> Come on, you play it. <laughs> hey, you play it, but that needs to happen. <laughs> there will be a... <laughs> There will be a category dedicated to Von Wagner, I swear. I will come up with some nominees. Well, not the categories, actually. Not the nominees. And I'll have Scott and I have our extra special guest co-host next week. <laughs> Stephen Conway. Fantastic. Join us oh, to awesome. give you the awesome. best and the worst of WWE for 2021. And because of Scott, we will have the first ever Von Wagner Award of Excellence to really cap off this roast. The so, Von Wagner Dumbass Award. <laughs> no, that should be the uh, the the that that'll be the um, LA Knight Award. The dummy, yeah, yeah. the dummy. <laughs> okay, those are Big two dummy. Okay, two categories have been enlisted. 
and I would give Paul Fontaine and I would give Scott credit. These are two yeah. Von Wagner adjacent awards that will be announced during next week's show. So in order to get your Christmas ready, this is how we're going to do it with the first ever rap awards to sum up the year in WWE next Monday right here on the Fight Game Media Network. From myself, for Scott, for Paul, thank you so much for listening. Enjoy your week. Enjoy all the shows coming your way this week on Fight Game Media and Fight Game Media Network Plus on the Patreon. Until then, enjoy your week. Take care. And that's a wrap.